Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Look, I'll be honest, the Labor Day weekend didn't really bear a whole lot of great results for me. I don't know about you guys, but let's get on with it. Welcome to episode 31, the Matt Acton special of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam with you tonight. And yeah, the Raw's A-League campaign is over for another year. Scott, how are you feeling? Yeah, a bit disappointing, isn't it? The season finished a week early again this year, but you have to tip your cap to victory. They were far too good on Sunday night, weren't they? Adam, you, yeah, you had the right idea on the weekend, didn't you? Yeah, yeah bolt, bolt the country. <laughs> but uh, and, uh, unfortunately, I couldn't actually even see the game because everyone wanted to watch rugby on, in Auckland on Sunday. So I could on replay. So I think I might have saved save myself yeah. a couple of hours of pain. I was going to say, you didn't miss much. Uh, well, and also, you know, that's another great case for why New Zealand needs a second A-League team to complement their failing hey, one already. I thought they were better lose the one they've got anyway. That's what I said. That's a discussion for another point day anyway. Yeah, we'll save that for in about two weeks when we desperately need filler content. <laughs> for now, let's get on with our A-League review. And the Raw went down 1-0 to Melbourne victory in the semi-final, falling at that stage for the second year in a row. And look, I'll be honest, it's still really disappointing. Scott? Yeah, it is disappointing, but victory were the but you have to say victory were the better side on Sunday. Their pressure they put on the Raw just they didn't even let the Raw play. Mm. I mean, the Raw didn't even play in the game basically because of victory pressure. They just they stopped the Raw every time the Raw tried to get the ball into Brett Holman. They they couldn't do it, and they were resorted to long balls to McLaren. And he was and he just yeah. was double marked with Donachie and Barrow, and there's only so much you can do. I don't think he had many touches of the ball actually. Look, you can take you can take the excuse of the fact that now they just come back from Thailand, even albeit you know. Playing, not playing a bunch of players, but even as well, you can take the effect of 120 minutes plus pens the week before. But I think even so, I think by the looks of things, victory was so dominant that it wouldn't have mattered. I think if they were fully fit. Yeah, well, I think you could tell the victory had come off a week off that the Raw had sorely needed, and instead of that, they'd gone and played. Hang on, I've got to do some quick maths here. 210 minutes of football <laughs> in fairly draining conditions in both games, and. Look, yeah, the raw looked cooked. Victory looked firing and yeah. ready to go. Well, we asked the question last week: Were victory? Were they basically struggling going into the finals? It seems like after they lost to Sydney FC a few weeks ago in the regular season, it seems like they just put the cue in the rack and said, "Right, we're going to prime ourselves for this date." And that's exactly what they did because they came out and they were absolutely brilliant. And Kevin Musk, you would say, got his team's preparation absolutely yeah. right, which is, you know, not something you would say a lot about Musk as a manager. He got everything exactly right, but. This time he did. Well, this was 2015 Melbourne victory in that grand final when they obliterated Sydney FC. That was very similar. Just with a bit, not quite as good finishing. But we'll go to the pregame stuff. So Sunday morning came the news that Jade North had been ruled out with illness. He'd been battling that back and forth for the last few weeks. Adam, were you surprised he didn't play? Um, I was, but you know the way that um, sort of the media reported was, oh, it's a loss. Look, at the end of the day, it may have solved a headache of uh, General Wissies, because obviously then it means Papadopoulos and the Veer start. But um, yeah, I think you know, in hindsight, maybe it would have been. I think it may have been a loss, and you know, it's just one more headache that, um, as far as player selection goes. 
And I, for me, I'm actually wondering, did that force John Aloisi to throw Luke DeVere on for his third full game in nine days or whatever? And look, we, yes, you get the usual excuse. Luke DeVere, professional athlete, should be able to handle it. But also... He wasn't that bad either, by the way. Oh, no, he wasn't. But like, I was just going more along the lines of Luke DeVere, professional athlete, who is still, you know, less than a year removed from a severe muscle injury which I think partly came from overuse. But also as well, I, I, I sort of beg the question about, you know, had Jaden North been, been fully fit, does Jack Hingott start? Because that, that, it seemed to me <clears throat> as though that he, wasn't, um, that he wasn't fully fit. He wasn't, you know, for concerns out of, you know, his fractured cheek, he wasn't hitting the balls as, you know, professionally he should be. And, and it almost seemed like in a way that the victory targeting that. I do think Hingott would have played, but with, with Devere, to your point, it was from overuse 12 months ago, two years ago he got that injury, but there's a difference between overusing him in a semi-final and an irrelevant postseason friendly. Yeah. So oh, if no. you're going to risk Blick Devere's fitness, this is the time to do it. Yeah. Now, yeah, the victory came out on top. The Raw did also actually welcome back Matt Mackay, but I'm not sure that was really as big of an asset as we would have hoped coming off a, what, six-week injury? Rusty, didn't he? Yeah. And, you know, it happens, unfortunately. But, yeah, the victory... They they look like they came out to just win the game full stop. And I was telling, talking to you guys on Sunday night saying, it looked like a game where the Raw came out and hoped to win by keeping the victory scoreless. And in the end, they just couldn't. Victory created so many chances and were just on the front foot from the beginning. And look, I've defended John Aloisi, but I would have personally gone with a totally different approach. I would have said, no, let's blow the victory off the ground as early as possible because... I don't think the Raw would have had the legs to hold on at the, to make that traditional comeback at the end. He set it up as a counter-attacking system. That's why his front three was there. And it was very similar to Shanghai. He was going to try and sit back and hit on the counter-attack. Difference is in Shanghai, he scored in two minutes. Yeah. This week, he, we barely got the ball. I don't remember too much, too much possession in the front half, let alone shots. Mm. So, I mean, look, I do keep going back saying well done to victory because they didn't allow the Raw to play. Well, I was watching the game on Eagle Street for a friend's yeah. birthday and... I remember the whole topic of discussion through the first half was the fact that the Raw just could never really seem to get the ball. And, you know, it really did show up in the end. Oh, I think at the end of the day, you know, I said they, they lost, the Raw lost the midfield battle, and that was always yeah. where it's going to be won or lost. And uh, victory were too strong, and that's, um, at the end of the day, you don't win the you don't win the midfield, you're going to be starved for ball. I think, I don't think you know, trying to play counter-attack right from the outset was ever going to work against a very fresh victory team. If the roles were reversed, for example, and it was victory that was coming off you know, two games in you know, seven days, then it may have worked. But, uh, yeah, no, it, was, it didn't... It, I think it was hoping, going to the well one too many times, you know, thinking you're staying high, and it just backfired completely. And hindsight's a wonderful thing, but... You would have, in theory, taken Tommy Orr to Thailand and kept Thomas Broich for this game because we couldn't keep the ball and Thomas Broich is exactly who you want in that situation. Playing that role. made an art of keeping the ball. Yep. Uh, Yeah, so as the game went on, I thought there were a few pretty full-on challenges going both ways, not saying it was Kevin Musket trying to break someone's leg again, (laughs) but, yeah, the refs seemed quite happy to let 11 players stay on the field. A lot of last warning... I don't know. This is your last warning. What, did Valeria get to like seven, eight fouls up before he got his yellow card? I think yeah. so, yeah. It was, there was a lot. One of the standout players for the Raw throughout the game, though, was Jamie Young. He had some absolutely phenomenal saves. And, look, that's something he's always been really good at. Adam? Oh, look, at 
what, he, what he'd been through, the sort of the questions where he was even going to start because of what happened in Thailand. We'll get to that later because I'm sure we've got a lot to say on that. Mm. Um, but look, I actually tweeted that he really is a human wall. You know, between the arm, you know, being needed in the head by Lee Broxham, you know, whether it was um, intentional for whatever reason that he played on, you know what, you can't, even that one goal, you know, look, you can say maybe he was at fault, maybe not, but yeah, day he it could have been a lot worse had he not been there. I think I think the knee from Broxham was just a case of he was following yeah. through the way you would expect yeah. any footballer to, and it wasn't a case of it wasn't him kneeing him in the head. It was just well, I would say a football challenge. It's just continued bad luck for the Raw with goalkeepers over the last week. Oh. Can you imagine John Aloisi was going through his mind at that point? Can you imagine again the yeah. third third game in a row? His mind and it was, a, bra- it was a brave keeper. another brave effort. Yeah, now because that's what happened to Theo. Theo yeah. you know, does his, his his knee through a brave effort. You know, Jamie Young leads with the head this time, so... Yeah, uh, it could have ended really badly, but I was actually wondering, what do you reckon was going through the mind of Tomislav Bilic warming up on the sideline, thinking, because well, that would have been his first A-League action, wouldn't it? Yeah, his first A-League Yeah, so his first A-League action would have come with 60 minutes to go in a grand final qualifier, coming on for an injured guy who was... You know, still quite popular with but a lot of fans. He may have been, he may have been in flashbacks from Wednesday night in uh, in Bangkok. That you know, that you know, he, he when he came on in that game, he, he looked he looked like he's confident, looked like he was ready. Yeah. So it may not have been so bad, but look, we'll it, never know. It, it's one of those things where you think his youth might have actually played a part, where he just yeah. would have walked on on and gone. Yeah. I got this. Yeah, I'm fine. A lot of young players come into the raw side, and a lot of them have just just played to get played their game. So I think he would have been fine, yeah. but thankfully he wasn't needed. Mm-hmm. His young was really good in the game up until the goal. Yes, well, let's get on to that goal right now. It came about from a pretty, I don't know how, to, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but a really strange period of build-up where Joe Coletti, who come on for Matt McKay, Thomas and Thomas Christensen were just sort of passing the ball back and forth in their own defensive box. It, we were just watching this before we started yeah. recording, and it wound up Hingert just had to pass the ball over it the sideline. The game really didn't it because they were put under immense pressure from the victory, and yep. that forced the Error passed out of defence and for a throw in, mm. and, and then, then there was quick s- throw into yeah. Fahid Ben Kalfala, who slightly off on the pressure from the raw to stop the cross, and, s- and once the cross was in, it was a great ball in, and slightly off on the pressure. No, but well, you they were getting there, but not quite there, and then when the cross goes in, Barisha's risen above, and Brett maybe Hol- Young's out of position, but well, let's go back to what it is. For me, the big error here came from the fact that they didn't close down Fahid yeah. Ben Kalfala, yeah. who was, I think, the victory's best player on the night. Yeah, it sums up the difference in the game. Victory's pressure was perfect, and ours was just slightly off. Yeah, and, you know, you thought the ball got Ben Kalfala. Brett Holman, I would say, was staring at them. Ben Kalfala decides to cut back inside, and Holman just sort of stands there and goes, eh. I was wondering if he was trying to pass it off to Thomas Christensen, who I'll get to more on this later. I thought he was absolutely atrocious, you know, well below his usual high standard. And then it was just a perfect ball in for... Of course, best up Barisha to score in a finals game. And this is why, and now I, we've said it like a broken record, that is why best up Barisha is a million dollar per season player yep. because he still had to do a lot of work. We can, we can talk about you know, how it came about, you know, the lack of pressure, but the facts remain Ben Calfella puts that ball in, Barisha has to get above two guys and head it home. And that is what makes him you know, a marquee striker in this league. And it looked like the goal that they're all scored against Perth. A couple of years ago in the grand final, mm. when Broich put the ball in from the left hand side, a little bit, yeah, it looked very similar. Yep, and yeah, I, 
do think Jamie Young has to take, you know, a small slice yeah. of the blame there because he was off his line and got nowhere near the ball. And the way that he was blocking shots on the night, I actually think if he'd stayed on his line, he probably would have been able to maybe get a hand to that and carry it around for a corner. I think his reaction, actually, I think he knew that he made the wrong choice by coming out. But, um, look, it's just one or two things. We can look, we can nitpick at stuff like that, but you've got to say, like I said, it was one opportunity. It was the best opportunity. Victory take it. They take the lead. We're 20 to go. And, you know, then the Raw were forced to chase the game, which is something that they absolutely weren't yeah. really mm-hmm. set up to do. Yeah. They... I think their first proper attack really came on 88 minutes where they had a shot on target yeah. for, you know... That's unlock- when the fatigue really started to show, wasn't it? The last 20 minutes when they had to chase the game and they were... They did look tired the last 20 minutes for all the travel and stuff they'd been through. Yeah, that's the, when it, it's the prevailing narrative of that game going into it was first goal was always going to yeah. win. And it's, it's that's how it came out to be. Yeah, it was. And, you know, overall, I thought the Raw's best players were, you know... Shaved head Corey Brown, who, by the yeah. way, broke his jaw, apparently, according yes, to jacking it on matching, social media. Matching uh, fullbacks <laughs> with <laughs> nursing sore jaws. Yeah, with the uh, serial killer shaved head look as well. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Like, yeah, I thought Corey Brown, like, we were all so nervous about him at the start yeah. of the year. He was absolutely phenomenal. Look, I think, um, and like, so we'll talk about you now the awards and all that, but I think Corey Brown, he may be, I, I, I personally think that it's, it's a clear winner. We'll get to that later. But I, I think you know, Corey Brown deserves credit. You know, he has improved. I mean, it's like we, we've been yeah. talking about, if we were on here 12 months ago, we would say, no, nah, Corey Brown's finished. We need a new left back. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that we're here now saying, you know what, he was one of our better players this whole season, but we'll get to all that later. Weren't we saying that six months ago? <laughs> I'll say my points on, on that sort of stuff at the end of the thing, but Corey Brown did play well on Sunday. And unfortunately for the Raw, I, I kind of thought they were let down by the spine of their team. Guys who have been rocked yeah. so often, like Luke Devere has come up with a couple of massive games against Sydney, that equaliser in the opening game. He didn't look like himself. Yeah. Thomas Christensen... I yeah, I was really disappointed with his passing. He almost he looked like he was just a step behind reacting rather than anticipating. I think that sums up the whole team. They all looked a step behind, didn't they? Mm, even and, the victory players. And Brett Holman, who I think has come in for a lot of yeah. criticism and if some fool in this room said he'd be the X Factor in this final series a couple of weeks ago. Well he was. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, just not the right way. Yeah, so you know, for me the big thing comes back to you know, maybe the Raw should have been a little bit more aggressive from the start, chasing that goal before trying to sit back. But hindsight's always twenty twenty, isn't it? And just on that point you made about the spine, McLaren had 17 touches of the ball. And he averages how many in a game? I'm not sure what he averages, but it's far more than 17. And victory, victory said, well, that's the one player who's not going to beat us. Mm. We are not going to let McLaren be us. Anyone else can have a go and... Truth is, the Raw didn't really have any other options on the day because no one else. Unfortunately, that's, that's pretty much typical of the Raw, is that of the Raw and the way. So, if you shut down McLaren, there's a good chance that unless you know a, a Holman or Barella or something like that really steps up, um, you shut McLaren down, you shut the whole thing down. That's I think that's pretty much it. Sums it all up almost from their attacking side of things, anyway. Yep. All right. So Melbourne Victory's opponents in the grand final are going to be Sydney FC. We'll just quickly touch on this game because it did I have they a, had few... a new name. I thought that was Sydney VAR. Uh, we'll get to that. But <laughs> look, take all of that out. Sydney FC dominant performance, absolutely yeah. the better side. They of the absolutely night. battered Perth in the three nil. And that's where the, we said Victory won the game. If well, so did so did Sydney FC because Brilliante and O'Neill just ran rings a bit around Garcia and who else did we feel first? I can't remember someone. 
And uh, uh, Ross and Griffiths, yeah. they just ran rings around them. And for all the complaints about Sydney FC getting help from the match officials, they were not the Sydney team that got the most help. I'm looking at you, New South Wales Waratahs. <laughs> I was at that game. Okay, James. Yeah. We might anyway. talk about the Waratahs again later on as well for another reason. Yeah, how much, yeah, much off-season filler are we going to need for me ranting about that, <laughs> about that Reds-Waratahs game? That was... We can have a whole segment for you later on. I will not swear. I will not swear. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, first goal, Josh Brillante. He scored two goals in the A-League this season, and both have been right up there as contenders for goal of the year. Just an absolute oh. rocket. And Look, if, if anyone tries to complain about that, they really deserve to be given a kick yeah. in the head by, well, let's just say yeah. Kevin Musket. Oh, look, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the spectre of this game has been because of VAR and all that. But to be honest with you, if you watch the game, you knew when Sydney scored first, that was game over. The the rest of it is, you know, is afterthought. The game was gone at 30 minutes because Perth had to score first. They didn't, Sydney did, that was game over. You knew then you could start, you know, thinking about grand final. All right, so let's get on to those VAR things. So Sydney's second goal was, I would say, Quite controversial. We saw. Yeah. The, Why don't we cover the third goal first? Because it's far cleaner. I'll go. I want to go in chronological order. Ah, oh, fine. Okay, so we saw the bad and the good of VAR, where you oh, know ridiculous of the VAR. Yeah. So what was it? Babo, who was essentially yeah. acting as a lead blocker almost from yeah. an offside position for a run from Yordi Boyce, yeah. who I would have ruled the goal out for his ridiculous haircut, <laughs> but that's just me. I would have ruled the goal out as well, just purely because to me that's still obstruction. He's in and he's obstructing you. I don't care if he gets there or not. It, to me, it's still obstruction. And even if it's not, it's not a clear and obvious overrule to me anyway, which is what it's supposed to be there for. If the linesman and the referee talk about it for about 15, 20 seconds and they decide it's a goal, how can the VAR then immediately no, no, you've made a mistake? To me, it's not yeah. not clear cut enough to overrule it. Apparently, and this is you know thanks to Daniel Garb on Fox Football. Apparently, the referee on the night, I believe it was Peter Green, yep. did overrule the call of offside, and the VAR confirmed his decision. Okay. So that was something that evidently wasn't communicated yeah. to Simon Hill in the commentary box or the Fox guys running the halftime show, and it was basically a case of, no, we're sticking with your call on the field. Okay, well, if that's, if that's the case, because I... I cause, <laughs> I had a long sort of, you know, window around that, but that information, I didn't hear that. Yeah. that. That, look, if that's the case... Where the, as you correctly point, where the stuff is that is the communication side of it. Yes. Because at the end of the day, what what we're looking at, and this is what I have a problem with the VAR, is these 50-50 decisions. Because you open up Pandora's box on this. Because the from what we understand, the VAR should be to, to overturn the clear-cut house of any man on the street yeah. where they watch football, you know, 24-7 not, can understand, oh, is that right or wrong? It's but, the 10 drunks in a bar test. Exa- exactly it. And, th- and that's the thing. But if that's the case, then, you know, if Peter Green has made a decision and he has ruled upon it, yeah. and then the VAR has confirmed it, then, you know, yeah. that's, that I can live with yeah. that. But if he, yeah. if basically Peter Green has gone upstairs and let Strebray Dolovsky, who was in the, in the box, basically interpret for him, that's wrong. Yes. I can live with that as well. If that's the case yeah. that Peter Green made over yep. his line said it's a goal, then I can live with that. Yep. But if Peter Green says it's a goal, why'd they go to the VAR to get yeah. it anyway? If uh, Peter Green says it's a goal, why'd they bother going to the VAR? Yeah, and I think... So it's a, that's it, the, you're right, the communication yep. thing just doesn't look right on the... It is right. something that was, I would say, 
maybe misapplied more yeah. than anything else. And of course, you get the absolute nutbags on social media that say, <laughs> yep. oh, it's an FFA conspiracy. They love Sydney FC. They hate my club. They have get had, over it. They have had three out of three decisions go their way so far. But like I said, I think, but then I think where we should be teeing off is, look how I, I, find, I find the whole you know, Sydney VR thing funny, but in all yep. seriousness, now this, this is, again, this is, how idiotic are the FFA to implement this controversial system, you know, two, a week out from the finals. They're our biggest games, and this is, this is where, like I said, forget the whole bashing on the dance between our club. Surely that someone at FFA in their operations could have, could have foreseen this happening. I was going to say, just to quickly round this up, the third goal as well was absolutely spot on. Yeah, that's and not that's offside, the and that's the good. That's the perfect way to use it. And just pointing out, you're saying the only three VAR decisions have gone for Sydney FC. Yeah, we like you remembering well, the last Thunder Friday. Have actually, gone to the video anyway. But but don't forget the Wanderers penalty last week against the Raw. Apparently, the VAR was was it like he had a yeah. voice in the referee's ear yeah. and saying confirmed, just keep going. Okay. So there are other times where we don't see it. It's just. Unlike a rugby union where you've got the VAR or the video ref there going, like actually with an open line of communication that can be heard by the TV audience. Maybe that's what we This is what they need to do. A couple of years ago, Fox Sports wanted to mic up the refs for the broadcast, and FIFA went and said, no, that's against our bylaws. But then then again, I think things have changed ultimately because I know Sepp Blatter and and basically the, the, the FIFA Council were against. Any of this sort of stuff. So I think it's a progressive world now. I think you know Sepp Blatter, do you? Oh. You know all Sepp there. Oh, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So just quickly, yeah, third goal, offside, correctly yeah. overruled for a clear goal. And Liam Reddy is possibly the luckiest man <laughs> on the pitch after running up and giving a proper forearm mm. to, let's just say it was Boyce again in the goal, <laughs> getting the ball out. And yeah. Anyway, that's going to do it for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. And welcome back to segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you in our improvised studio where the audio issues are continuing so thanks for bearing with us with our you know temporary solution i suppose and thanks for letting us record here james as well yeah that's right just got to get that tv connected somehow <laughs> yes <laughs> I, I just like the view yeah, yeah you can see, i'm looking i'm looking out the window I'm looking scott's at... looking at adam yeah <laughs> that's a bad view <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're going to move on to our news and other stuff segment which we're going to lead off with a recap very quickly of last night of last Wednesday night's ACL round five match of the group stage where the Raw yes. went down three 0 to Muantong United youth mm. lineup pretty much I think it was pretty much it was Jamie Young and, and Devere and Broich yeah that's it and the rest of it was the B team basically yeah yeah and I thought they held themselves out quite well especially with what was a pretty big cluster you know what taking place <laughs> at the start of the game where the Nets weren't pegged down. Probably. Oh, seriously. I was watching it. I'll get to it in a minute, but seriously. Like, considering the AFC have dished out big fines for having, you know, incorrect labels on the drink bottles, it's. I wonder what's going to happen here because there's got to be a pretty big fine for leaving a rusty hook on a 
goalposts, surely. Well, I just I was just on the um, AFC website going around, and still one week, nearly one week later, and not a boo about it. So I don't know whether there's an investigation going on. Still, uh, maybe things move very slowly. AFC House, uh, they're on billable Mal- hours. They're Malaysia on Malaysia time or something like that, but. Look, it's absolutely, you know, you don't expect that in park football, much less no. the so-called premier competition of Asia. And it's a disgrace that it happened. You know, I'm, you know thank, thank goodness to Jamie Young that, you know, it, it, the worse it was, you know, 26 stitches, yeah. um, it could have been a hell of a lot worse. And the fact that, that nothing has been done or seemingly hasn't been reported, is it's just, it's just mind-boggling. And they, and they wonder why, you know, us Australians down here just don't take it seriously. If they can't do simple things like ensuring the safety of the players, surely they should have proper goalposts. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous, James. Yeah, seriously. I oh, know. Well, and just for the record, that the conditions you wouldn't expect in park football. I did at one point play on a field in Logan with broken beer bottles in one yeah. of the six-yard boxes as the goalkeeper. I will say also the the commentary team in Thailand said they're all with disrespecting the competition by fielding this team and they no, completely what, overlooked the what fact that crap. completely overlooked the fact that they're all having an important game in the finals at the weekend. And then well I would argue, by the way, that having improper equipment is more disrespectful than well, actually, fielding young players who are eligible to play in the competition because they're named in the squad. This is your rant, Adam. No, no, I've had my I've had my rant about the AFC, but it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny that you know that a lot of you know respected writers on on Twitter that I follow that follow Asian football and the the, fa- the fact that they use that word disrespect yeah. to the AFC. Well, like the Chinese club's been doing it for years. I think I, I refer to Guizhou Renhe a few years ago. What they sent down to Wanderers in their yeah. championship year. So this whole oh the raw disrespecting competition. The A League, your domestic competition has to be your number one priority, and I would I would be you know, burning down Ballymore if the Raw prioritised the Champions League over over an A League semi final. Particularly last week, yeah, and get ready for more disrespect next week when Ulsan bring their B team and Exa- the Raw probably field their youth oh, team again in this game. So get ready for some more. That'll of be after the Wanderers and Shanghai SIPG or something play out their field, youth team. Yeah. Yeah, but mind you, Shanghai might roll out Hulk, so and a few, a few. Now, Hulk's not travelling. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> but any hope seeing Petralos back in Brisbane next week? Probably that ship's probably oh, sailed. No, too, he, I don't think he's in there. I don't think he's in their best eleven in the K League. I don't follow K League too much, so Petralos coming out here and playing might be actually it might actually might be the future attraction. Basically, we might well, save a preview for that for next week. Yeah, but just like, while we're on that though. I saw Mark Kingsman on Twitter pointing out that the Raw are losing four hundred thousand yeah. dollars from participating in the group stage. Yeah. You want like that's they say the Asian Champions League should be considered a similar honor to the UEFA Champions League. You want to do that? Actually, make it valuable for clubs to participate in it instead of you know. Co- I think well, it, it's more lucrative the further you go because I know the Wanderers. No, made still, some, but Wanderers made some money. But still, but it's only it's only a couple of million. It's only a couple of million dollars. You know, like I said. Prize money in the UEFA, well, where the, where the value is in the UEFA Champions League is a TV rights. Yeah. Fox Sports couldn't be even bothered showing any other game other than Australian, Australian it teams. In, yeah, the it games do, don't rate here. Yeah, which they is, tried which, to show some like neutral games in the final when the A-League teams aren't in it. People aren't watching it. Yeah. But that's also, I think, because they... I think that's just because a lot of the casual football fans we've got here, the, well, Euro snobs, yeah. will look at it and go, it's not PSG or Real Madrid. <laughs> Anyway, back to this game. I thought that your Raw young players did quite well. Yep. I think they did well. They just, like young players tend to do, they lacked that cutting edge in the front third to take the chances they created. But they did well. 
Yeah, I think the 3-0 is also a travesty. I don't think it was a 3-0 game. No. If only Shannon Brady had the finishing ability of Tom Brady. Be careful. (laughs) (laughs) You've been saving a week up the I've been saving a whole season waiting for Shannon Brady to actually get on the pitch. The Shannon Brady supporters are going to come up. You be careful. I've got a whole off-season for them to forget about it. (laughs) All right, so we're going to move on to the news stories. And Sunday afternoon... The members started getting emails about yeah. raw memberships coming out for renewal much earlier than last season, which I think is you know a good sign. Well, Four months. A lot of now. members got the email. I didn't get the email, but that's because anyway. they don't like you. I know. It's very true. <laughs> no, but it's good that they're out so early. It was what August when they came out last year. It was a FFA Cup at Ballymore yeah. when they that, were released. That was, that was show. That was showdown. way too late. And this is they can at least market them now. Yeah, and they've got a clear pattern going yeah. forward. Of all right. On this date, this is available, but that the, yeah. you know keep going through. And the one thing that actually stood out for me was fourteen games, fourteen home yeah. games. Apparently, so they're not going to be moving a game to Kansas, Good. as far as we know. Good. I mean, it's too early to do season preview stuff, but fourteen home games gives you a better chance of finishing higher up the table. So I'm actually happy that they're not playing a regional game, to be honest with you. Especially with the Raw's home form at Suncorp as well, mm. which has just been, I would say, phenomenal under Aloisi. Yep. So he's, he lost two games mm. at home. A few too many draws for my liking, yeah. but it's still, you know, we had a couple of draws where the Sydney FC games, we were actually quite happy with that. Yeah. So It's good to have them out so early. They can People can plan ahead for it now. Yes. Lachlan, 14 dates of fan camps. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he's actually listening to this this week. You're about mm. to find out. you got twin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the Dolan Warren Awards night took, Took place on Monday. Sydney, yep. shockingly, were the big winners. Milos Ninkovic winning the Johnny Warren medal in a landslide. Danny Vukovic, goalkeeper of the year. And Graham Arnold, Boo. absolutely deservedly the coach of the year. We had to get that in. We didn't mention that in the last thing. Oh, that, that, was... that was... Oh, Arnold, that was great. Yeah, and he... I actually think... I don't know what it is about Graham Arnold, but this year he just looks so happy almost. It's a little bit scary. But... It's amazing what happens when you're top of the table. Anyway, Sydney FC were really got a lot of awards and things. So congratulations. Oh, then again, like predictable you, stuff. Yeah, when you lose one game all, all year, you suppose you should probably, you know, be in the driver's seat as far as you know picking up all the awards. But the one thing Mills Ninkovic, uh, I think, hinted that perhaps he he's going home. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Jamie McLaren won the Golden Boot and Young Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Now. In this uh, speech, he apparently dropped a little bit of a hint about his future. Well, he said something like of thanking Aloisi for two great years, and that and a lot of people have interpreted that as he could be on his way. Well, you know what's better than two great years? Three great years. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, true. I'll, I'll be ha- I'll be happy if it's uh, future years not playing the A League. Yeah, yeah. Sam Kerr dominates the W League portion of the night, claiming the Julie Dolan Medal and Goal of the Year. The Raw's Katrina Gorry finished second in Player of the Year, and she. She had quite a good season. Yeah, that was actually quite close. A lot of people thought Sam Kerr was going to run away with it, the same way Milos Ninkovic ran away with it, but it was two votes. Mm. So that was quite yeah. Uh, good. Yeah, Gory was probably the standout player and what was probably underwhelming this season for the Brisbane Raw women. So, so yeah, no, that's, I think yeah, that's... I'm glad they actually came out in the medal count. Also, Mark Tokic of FFA, Sam Excellence, won Youth League Player of the Year as well, so congratulations to him. Good for him. Yeah. And... It still seems like, as a broadcast, yeah. they're still trying to find their feet on yeah. where exactly they are. But you know what the best part about it was? Hour and a quarter. Done. Yeah. yeah. The Brownlow medal would still be going while we were recording yeah. here on Wednesday night. 
<laughs> I thought it was a good broadcast in truth, but it was. Once you get past Gallup's speeches, I didn't. I didn't really like his speech at the start, but outside of that, it was quite good. Yeah, you're right. An hour, an hour and a half, maybe an hour and a half to let people actually speak when they win an award. But outside of that, it was quite good. Well, I think that's because half the awards I saw, the players weren't actually there for. Well, it's uh, that. That might be the one sort of thing they need to. Um, I, I guess you know the same issues from point you know from Brownlows that sometimes you know teams are participating in the grand finals and you know they're not going to show up, go to Sydney you know the week you know the week during. So look, it's just one of those things. Yeah, they've just got to. That's modern technology. Yep, the PFA A League team of the season came out today, didn't it? Or was it, it, did, it was today. Okay, good. I'm not losing complete track of time. Four through three formation. So you've got Bessart Barisha, Marco Rojas, and apparently there's not a whole lot of focus on defense with Diego Castro making the <laughs> starting lineup. Midfield: Troisi, O'Neill, and Ninkovic. Can't argue a whole lot with that. And then Michael Zulo at left back, Alex Wilkinson, Mikel Jakobsen, and Rahayan Grant. Yep, that guy making up the back four. And then Danny Vukovic as goalkeeper and captain. Yes, there's a glaring omission to this squad too when you read out the substitutes. Yep, so Liam Reddy, Jade North, Josh Belante, Ruan Tongi, Riley McGree, who fell over on the way to actually collect this (laughs) honour, Bruno Fornaroli and Alex Broska's captain of the bench. Yeah, captain of the bench and you got a captain on the field as well. Yeah. There's still some I'm missing on that squad list, by the way. I can't believe he's... Alexis Sanchez? No, seriously, McLaren's got to be in that yeah, squad. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Co-Golden Boot winner. And I would argue Luke Devere should be in that squad too somewhere. He should at least instead be... Instead of Tottenham, you can play half the games. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Well, speaking of Jamie McLaren, rumours about his future have sparked up again with agent Paddy Dominguez saying his client is considering offers from England, Spain, Belgium, France, Netherlands and Germany. Do you reckon that equals 80 clubs, Adam? <laughs> Look, it probably does, but as like I said, the, the source of the story was SBS, who unfortunately has been caught once lying. So until it happens, you know, I believe when I see him. I'd take it with a gigantic tub of salt. Yeah, I'll say he's going to sign in the next 10 days. Yes. So we'll see what happens there. And... Look, if he goes, I'd rather him announce that he's leaving as early as possible. Yeah. So that Announce it before the Champions League game this week so you can get a, a fair, fond farewell. I was just thinking in terms of, well, I'm already thinking of uh, next season. We're on to 2017-18. <laughs> but, yeah, I, it gives the Raw as much chance as possible to go and find a, a replacement striker right. because, again, we'll get on to next season. I'm not sure I'd trust D'Agostino and Katabian. I think I think so. I think that it's imperative that you know Jamie McLaren. He doesn't. He just, just doesn't do the round till till you know July. You know, it's, he either commits to the club now, so there's going to be a stability, or you know, we 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 bid him farewell. And because I, I said you're dead right, the club needs to go. I know. I know people think it's the end of the world that Roach is leaving as well and whatnot, but at least if you can look at one positive for Thomas Roach announcing now that he's leaving, you know, Craig Moore. And John Elwes, can go find a replacement. I don't know if you're going to find, ever find Ella Browich, but you'd, you'd, yeah, you'd, you'd hope that they could find someone that could at least partially fill that void. And the same and good applies luck to that now. guy who has to refill those boots oh, too, yeah. by the way. Yes. If, they, if the guy turns out to be a real prick, I kind of wonder if they're going to give him jersey number 22. Oh, that's, I, was about, I was thinking that. I said, oh, you'd hope that yeah, the Royal might retire that's that jersey. That's a jersey you don't want next oh. year. Mm. All right, so you'd actually rather number 222 instead of yeah. 22. <laughs> All right, so Brandon Borello and Joe Coletti deserve some congratulations. Yep. They've been named in the Australian Under-23s training camp. 
So May 14 to 19 in Sydney, preparations for the AFC Under-23 qualifiers. So that'll be busy in the off-season. Yep, held in July in Myanmar. Australia will play Myanmar, Singapore and Brunei in Group F. Again, looking to next season, if Australia do get through this group, and they damn well should, the tournament is in January next year. So you'll be missing players for two weeks. I will will go and say that if Australia do not get through this group, we need to tear down the whole <laughs> junior development program. We need to deport Josip Gombau, the, whoever the yeah, who's what's who's the technical director. I know he's Dutch. Get, I said because if they can, if the under twenty threes cannot get through this group, pretty much, I, I, I'm not going to say that they're going to win every game. But hey, if they can, they, I think they should. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to jinx it. But seriously, if we are in more trouble than we think, if our our under our best under twenty threes cannot make. Make the next round, and the five second best second place teams also make it. So that makes it even more. You're going to qualify. Oh. I'm liking this fired up, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, Dane Ingham is selected for the New Zealand Under 20 training camp. Yep. They've yep. got their Under 20 World Cup coming up, and it's highly likely he's going to go. So good luck to him. Yep. Great experience for him. And the final news story we're going to touch on: FFA versus A League clubs. This is something that I think is going to keep going for the next little while. A dispute over the annual distribution. So the FFA has offered $3.25 million per club for next season. Clubs are saying that's inadequate. Now, that figure is meant to cover the expenditure of A-League, W-League, and National Youth League salary caps. And they want extra money to cover things like marquees, other exemptions from the salary cap, like your, your um, rookie, mature-age rookies, all the, all the basically the salary cap loopholes you can exploit, and they also want money to cover things like off-field expenses, like stadium hire, coaches, administration, etc. So it's an interesting debate. Do they just, they do do they deserve more? Yeah, they probably do. Do they deserve as much as they're asking for? Probably not. There's a compromise in the middle. It's just when we get there. It's uh, it's interesting because on the surface you're right. You'd say the clubs, you know, the clubs probably are overreaching, but you're right that you know I think when you take into account that they're not that, that you'd think that. The salary cap should cover just the A League, and then yeah. there should be extras for the other relative competitions. So, look, I, I agree. I agree with Scotty. I think at the end of the day, I don't think the truth is somewhere in the middle where that's where the compromise goes. Look, these negotiations, but I think the big factor of what the clubs are arguing about is that a the revenue that are coming from the new TV rights deal is not translating with the increase. So, I think that's where, and that's where the clubs are pushing. One quick point, you've also got to factor in, do you give more money to the clubs now or do you save money and use that for expansion later on? It's an interesting debate. We can have another day, maybe. Absolutely. We're going to move on quickly to the NPL Queensland to quickly run through the top and bottom of the table. So Gold Coast City and Brisbane Olympic faced off in what was a top-of-the-table clash and Gold Coast came away 1-0 victors. The Strikers were able to move up to second with a 4-0 win over Redlands. And at the bottom of the table, Sunshine Coast were... I would say finally putting their right place with a seven nil thumping at the hands of Morton Bay, and of course the Raw didn't play. We yes, that last week with the. I was just going to say Sunshine Coast. I think they're tracking at the moment to um, beat Thunder's record from a few years ago. <laughs> Goals conceded. They, they, are, they are, like I said, they're, they're halfway there. Oh, that's he's, that's <laughs> they're they're in a world of trouble. Yeah. Like, I think they even lost in the FFA Cup to a local side up there the other Calandra week. So, again, I think. So oh. that's. They're having a really bad run of games at the moment. And is this the side that wants A-League expansion? It is. And speaking of the FFA Cup, there's a whole bunch of games this weekend as well between... Yep. This is when round, I think it's round six. So it's when all the big teams yeah. come in. The NPL teams are in. Yep, so the, I'm just looking for some of the standout ones. Western Pride against Olympic FC. Strikers versus Rochdale Rovers. 
Do I get to make my joke about Morton Bay going all the way from Walter Park to Walter Park again? Yes. Okay, cool. Okay, that was the joke. Yeah. And it, was, I, it was so much better last week, wasn't it? Yeah. So, for those who are looking for a cup set, uh, Brisbane Knights and Peninsula Power next Tuesday. Ooh. So interesting. Then, we'll keep an eye on that. <laughs> All right, and on that note, we're going to wrap up segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to segment three of the Brisbane Football Review, part of the Outside 90 Fan Network. It's James Scott and Adam with you tonight, and we're only going to go with three segments today because we kind of rambled on in the first two, so we'll, we'll, we'll worry about the what grand final. What a shame final. we can't have a big ten-minute segment on the grand final. What oh, a shame. Oh, please, like there's ten minutes to talk about no, either of those that'd clubs. Be, that'd be a fair challenge. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about the Raw season recap. We're going to have a few different angles to come at this from over the next few weeks because we've got to get through to the end of the Champions League campaign, big appeal that is. And we're just going to start off with you know, the way the Raw went throughout the season. Final position was third, semi-finalist, and knocked out in the group stage of the Asian Champions League. And FFA Cup round of 32 exit as well. Oh yeah, that too. The preseason competition for them. <laughs> yeah, they That's how they see it, not yeah, me. Yeah, it is. One but, year we'll take it seriously. But before we get into that, we're actually going to throw very quickly to, all the way back to segment one, Wow. Uh, to, uh, to episode one. Wow. And hear what our, oh. and hear what our pre, uh, predictions were for, yeah, this back at the start of the season. All right, so let's get to the big question for our season preview. Where are the Raw going to finish? Scott? Oh, you had to come to me first, didn't you? Oh, I think course. they're going to finish fifth. <laughs> I've got them finishing fifth. They've got victory from winning the league, followed by City, Melbourne... City, victory winning the league, followed by Melbourne City, Sydney FC, Perth Glory, and Brisbane fifth with Wellington sixth. And... I actually sort of pegged them to be probably just to miss out in the finals. Uh, that's probably not going to be the most popular thing being on the Brisbane Football Review show. But, uh, but like I said, we, we go. So it's all about expectations. And I just think the depth may catch up with us eventually. And like I said, as Scott said, there are some, you know, some really good teams. And the one thing I guess I noticed from this preseason is that while a lot of other clubs have got significantly stronger... Um, whether the likes of Christensen, Holman, you know, a few others that come along, you know, you know, keeps us at that level, is it's questionable. I think, um, yeah, I, I'm sort of really, I guess, on opti- optimistic. I guess that you know, look, we can make the finals, but you know, as far as if I had to put right now what my predictions, are, I think we'll just miss out in seventh. But I think it'll be it'll be a close call. I think us and Wanderers and Adelaide. I think the three teams that I think Asian Champions League is so important. I think to it the effect it has on the league as far as you know trying to the, the, the problem with the, our league at the moment is we're not adjusted to playing three games in a week. And that's gonna really catch us out. And especially for our squad, again, it comes back to depth. Can can we you know play three games in a week and you know be fighting for a place in the finals and you know it all comes down to I guess February seven when we if we make the if we make the playoffs you know or make the groups I should say then yeah I think that's that's going to be really pivotal to the season. That's it. And like you are right, a lot of the teams around the league have found you know a way to strengthen themselves this season. In particular, I think the two Melbourne clubs and Sydney FC. So it's just a case of the Raw might have been ahead of them last year. Can they? Like, have they closed the gap enough to get in the way? Now, personally, I still think the Raw are going to finish top four. Call me an unabashed, you know, biased person <laughs> and whatnot. But Nothing wrong with optimism, no. James. That's it. Well, for me, I feel like 
if we've learned anything about this playing group over the last few years is they are able to surprise us. Yeah. Like as fans, we've seen them in the past and gone, oh, I don't know what they've got there. But you remember Postacoglu's first year, you remember Mike Mulvey's first Ooh. full season where <laughs> it was they really came out and just did what they had to do. And we saw that even last year where we weren't sure if there was going to be a club taking the field in round one. <laughs> and then next thing you know, they were in contention for the minor, uh, for the Premier's plate in round 27. So for me, if they can get... Uh, they need to finish top two if they want to have any chance of winning the championship. Because, and it's one of those stupid little trivia facts that I'm going to be full of, they have never been eliminated or lost a finals game at home. So if they play their finals at home, they're going to win. Yeah, so I think we're a little bit more refined as presenters now. What do you think, Adam? I think so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've ever looked, spoke that long in my life. <laughs> Put a microphone in front of him and just see how he goes. <laughs> yeah, we never said we were experts with those predictions, by the way. I said top four. Yeah, you did. I yeah. hate being right oh, all the time. Geez, I, geez uh, you little faith, me. But look, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to stand here 31 episodes later and say, you know what? I was wrong. Yeah, it's one of those sort of win-win situations where you can either go, I was right, or the Raw did better than I thought. Yep, that's, that's the camp I'm in. Alright, so overall, are you satisfied with how the Raw went this season, Scott? Uh, given the off-season we went through with the off-field stuff, with the ownership we haven't, and all of that, I think you can accept it that we had that we didn't quite get there again this year. Also, Champions League had injuries, but, but ne- if we have a clean off-season next year, the expectations start to rise. We have to win something soon. We can, as as um, Marco Monteverde, the Korean Mail, wrote in his opinion piece the other day. A very good opinion piece. It was getting close enough is not good enough all the time. We need to win something soon. But for this year, given everything we had to overcome, I think you'd say it's a pretty good year. And just from a managerial perspective too, I feel like winning something is incredibly important for John yeah, Aloisi absolutely. too. Because I think right now he's got that reputation of a manager that he could go either way. He could be that sort of you know, rolling around the A-League sort of bit part player, or you could actually go on and join the likes of Popovich, of Musket, the guys that actually are able to get the job done. Oh, look, it's overall for season, you know, if I have to grade it, it'd probably be a B-minus. I think at the end of the day, you know, to, to make the finals, you know, given the you know the turmoil of the off-season, I think it's a, it's a squad that maybe is one or two, you know, good players short of, you know, a championship team. You know, whether, whether this year, we always knew that, you know, Sydney FC and Melbourne victory without Champions League, you know, and after a disappointing season last year, always going to be better. Um, so for the Raw to finish third behind those those two, albeit daylight to those other two, I think it's a passable effort. Yeah, it was it was a good effort overall, but you're right. They were just, I feel like they shot themselves in the foot with too many draws in games that should yeah. have been winnable. You mentioned home form, it was... No, not as good as last year, and that did hurt them as well, because they had way too many draws at home at Suncorp. Yeah, it was it was quite frustrating. I think there were far too many games. Well, like we're saying, there was that. Yeah. Funnily enough, there was uh, two home games against Sydney where you kind of felt like either one could have easily resulted in a win in a win for a win for them. I lost track of what I was saying. Adam, <laughs> save me. Oh, uh, look, yeah, look, you're right. Um, like, I think the loss at home to Wellington, I think, one that hurt. I think at the end of the day, it didn't really matter because, you know, the other team sort of fell over as much as we did, you know, i.e. Melbourne City. Um, but, yeah, like I said, compared to the first season where we only had one loss, and that was a fairly disappointing effort, but there was only one where I think, yeah, I don't think it would have mattered at the end of the day. We got the third. I think that, that's, that's a passable effort. It was, but 
Adding to that Wellington loss, there was also the one to Newcastle in mid-January before any of the Asian Champions League stuff really set in. That, like, those two results, okay, doesn't really change the final ladder position in any way, shape, or form, but it is just two wins that you can't wonder how would it have changed their mentality. But then again, six points, if you're six points clear, you win those games, you're six points clear of fourth, you could breathe easier, where the Raw were fighting to to the last week to get to third place. Yeah. You know, again, travel you know, travel aside, maybe that mentality of, you know, we've got third wrapped up a couple of weeks out, maybe have been different. But you're, you know, also, it's a wonderful thing. you're also closer to Melbourne victory in second as well. And maybe you can put more pressure on yeah. them. Maybe that game late in the year against them does count for more then. But also the Raw finishing third, we think they'll be in the Champions League qualifiers again next year. Unless something changes, which wouldn't the AFC would never do to us, would they? Never. Well yeah. <laughs> We'll say we think, not guaranteed. Yes, and thinking for us is bad. Just as a a quick uh, point back to the 15-16 season. So the Raw finished with 42 points this year. Last year they finished third with 48 points. And um, Melbourne Victory were in second place on 49 points. Adelaide won the Premiership last year with 49 points. Victory would have won the Premiership. Last year with that so, performance this year. Then again, like so, I said, yeah. this as much as you know, we don't like to give too much credit to Sydney FC. This is, this is I'll go down history as one of the best. I'm, I repeat, one of the best, you know, clubs that the yeah. sides that we've seen in the A League in its history. They're historical outliers, Sydney FC, given their ridiculous mm. goals against Colin for yeah. one. Just just one stat for them that's unbelievable. I've still got to win this weekend to make it count, though. Yeah, but it does it does just show from the raw perspective they didn't really have the goals no. in them this year. Like the goals conceded were way down compared to last year, but it's just when they needed a goal, they didn't seem to be able to generate it. And what actually jumps out for me is the fact that you know the the raw didn't quite seem to have a clear identity this year. There were times where they were knocking the ball around like the Ange Postacoglu days. Mm-hmm. And then there was also that lightning counter-attack that we saw used so effectively last yeah. year. And I think it comes back to the, the limited sort of um, attacking options as far as actually scoring goals. You know, like I said, Jamie McLaren, you know, he matched his, he matched his um, mark last year with 20 goals. Got, he's got, he won the golden boot. But the problem is that outside of that, there isn't there isn't much yeah. else scoring. I think yeah. we had that second predominant goal score. Like Brandon Borello you know, seemed to you know, find his form in Asia – but it didn't really translate to the A-League. Well, in the A-League in general, I was just, as you mentioned, I went to Twitter at, at Raw Stats and they've got McLaren 20, next top scorer, Brett Holman, 5. Yeah. That's, and that, then a Borello and Christensen with 40s, that's obviously A-League only, but mm, that's, mm. that shows you right there, we're a, we're a one-man team going forward in terms of goals. And that, and that, and that 20 goals, we think, is leaving. So, you know, help us out next season. That might you be are right about the tactical thing. I mean, there was a... There was a real discernible shift between playing the old raw way, if you like, building up from the back. Now I think it's almost predominantly that counter-attacking style mm. where we look to get the ball and just get forward quickly to utilise McLaren. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see what happens with that going forward if we don't have, we don't think we're going to have McLaren. But it almost we felt, still play that way or do we change it up again? It almost felt at times like they were trying to play too quickly almost, yeah. which means that McLaren did find himself, I suppose, too isolated. Like, it's all well and good to say, you know, McLaren needs that. Like, McLaren needs the ball to get in behind the defenders. But when he's up there on his own, 
he's winding up with two massive centre backs able to just muscle him off the ball. Exactly what happened on Sunday. Yeah. yeah, and that's where he would need someone like Borello or, again, looking forward to next season, Tommy Orr or even Brett Holman just getting forward. And look, Holman still has a decent bit of pace, not all the time, but he can make a run when he's desperately needed to. And he is going, whoever plays striker next year is going to need that. I would almost say that, you know, if McLaren goes, then Dallawissi may need to reimagine the um, the tactics. Do we go two up front? I know, I know it's not in vogue at the moment. But, three in know, the back. Yeah, well, three in the back is, <laughs> is three it's, a flavor, it's a flavour of, um, of the year at the moment. But, like, so I just did, yeah, because that's, that's a real concern. And, you know, having a player like Jamie McLaren, you can play that one up front. But you, lose, you, you take out 20 A-league go- goals out of this squad for next year without a recognised striker, and, yeah, it could be it could be problematic early. I think that will be you know, our season preview, unless something happens. I think that might be the big question. Yeah, and I suppose one thing that I was just thinking about now is Jamie McLaren scored 20 goals, so he scored 40 over the last two years. And the, But the 20 goals this year came, I would say, in a system that isn't necessarily totally tailored to him. You don't think so? No, I, I think it's perfectly tailored to him in the sense that they just they get the ball forward and let him run in behind defences when teams are teams are more open. I think they've I think Alwis set the whole thing up I think the problem for is McLaren no to be successful, and when it doesn't work, there's no plan. I but, agree but what about those games where they just kept trying to put in cross after cross after cross, and he was getting out muscled by guys like Lachlan Jackson and Nigel Bugard, who were just a lot bigger than him. Oh, the whole the whole crossing thing as well. Like I said, given that we know that one, if there's one weakness that Jamie McLaren has is his heading bill, and that's where I say you you have Jamie McLaren one end and you have Bess up Brisha the other. That's the difference on on Sunday night that Brisha headed that goal home. If that, if roles reverse, I'm not sure if McLaren gets up there and and heads it home. So I think now that's no disrespect to Jamie McLaren. Like I said, you take 20 goals either way, but that is the difference between. A great striker and a marquee striker. And regardless of where McLaren goes next year, whether it is, you know, England, Spain, Belgium, France, <laughs> Netherlands, Germany, that's something he's going to have to continue to add to his game. I will say just quickly to your point about that Newcastle example, they were a sort of team who sat back and didn't allow you space in behind them. And when teams do that, that kind of plan, you have to change it up a little bit. But, but, but there anyway. were other clubs that actually did do that as well. Like yeah. they said, well, no, we're just going to start McLaren yeah. out of the game. And that's where you are going to need that next line of three, which, again, we assume next year will be Orr, Holman, and Borello to really step up and take charge. They're going to have to. They're, they're, they're going to have to. Uh, it's as simple as that. And if they don't, we may not be. We'd like to seven years in a row may end because I think, whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah. I, I, Calm down. Yeah. You just, we just listened to you predicting we'd make the finals like earlier in the year. <laughs> well, Come on now. Pessimist, but no, look, that's going to be a big hole we need to fill. And that's not even taking account the influence of Thomas yeah. Brolich. Yep, we'll get to the recruitment stuff. Yeah, we've still got two more episodes. Oh, to I can build on that. Don't worry about that. Excellent. It's the tip of the iceberg. All right, so low lights from this season. Worst mm-hmm. game as a fan to sit through, Scott? A victory away and not this week. I'm thinking the January game. The 3 2? I was. I don't even care about the two. I really don't care. I We were out of that game in 20 minutes. I was just so frustrated by that. Because I thought that was the day when we could have maybe made a big statement in the league. And that, that just stood out to me as a frustrating moment. Newcastle, the Newcastle loss at home, um, that one, that that's the low light for me. That was look. That's not taking into account Champions League as well. Yeah. But you now you can easily you can easily say that six nil loss in Ulsan. But you now from an A League perspective, that loss to Newcastle at home, 
that one that one stung. I'm going to actually go for the other Newcastle loss, which was the 4-0 in round two, which, you know, they're coming off, I would say, a fairly impressive fight back against a victory for a draw, and then to come out and just get absolutely blasted by Newcastle, mm. making far too many stupid mental mistakes. And, like, if we're going to stick on the negative theme, that was one thing that I would say earmarked the raw season. Too many stupid mental mistakes at times that just you know, far less than ideal, whether it was not picking up a run or letting a player run, like letting someone get free at the back post for a goal. If it was just making a pass that really, you really didn't need to, was it in that game, Luke Devere passing, and I think it was straight to Andrew Nabu. Yeah. yeah. And I oh, know it's going back a long way, yeah. but it's just those moments you sit back and think, like, uh, finishing third is probably a fair achievement. Yeah. All right. So most disappointing player, Scott? Most disappointing player. Jesus, I I need a month to think about this season before I answer that question. Off the top of my head, Arana just didn't pan out the way we hoped he would. Unfortunately. Look, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say when I say disappointed, I don't mean anything uh, disrespectful. But as far as expectations go, Tommy Orr, unfortunately, you know, we expected him to be a difference maker. He really didn't. The news that you know he's going to be on marquee main next season, I. Look, I hope he, you know, really steps up as a, you know, whatever he has a good off season, you know, can, and step up. But I think from expectations, I thought Tommy Orr was probably the most disappointing. Can I change my answer to that? Because that's a far better answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would also say for Tommy Orr, but I, it was partly luck. But you're right, he didn't produce the way he should have. But that being said, it seemed like he was kept on the bench by what was a phenomenal Thomas Broich as well. So that, like, if if I was going to offer yeah. up some yeah. defence, he was again sitting behind the best player in A League yeah. history. Look, that's, and that's as well. Like I said, the expect, the bar of expectation as well for Tommy Orr being a soccer rook, um, a returning sort of you know, player from Europe as well. That that's a and lot. He hasn't even picked him lately. Yeah, either. So that's yeah, the last time he has been. He yeah. hasn't been playing though. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. my most dis- disappointing player, just to keep this moving, it's actually going to be Brett Holman because. The Raw missed him for two months at the start of the season yeah. with an injury. Not his fault, admittedly. And then when he came back, he never quite looked like he was on the same page. He tried a few... I remember when he came back, he was trying those little flicks yeah. over the top to Borello and McLaren. And yeah. at the end of the season, we he saw... He had one good week, really, didn't he? He had a couple of good weeks. No, like, but like the one good week from Perth to the Champions League to... Yeah. The other game, but, yeah. but that's what I mean. Like He had one... Okay, we'll say really good week. And we saw exactly what he could yeah. provide for the Raw going forward. Yeah. And... It is one of those what if scenarios. Imagine if he could have done it yeah. again. Well, I just like I said, I recall back from episode one where I, I, I made the line: if you don't expect Brett Holman to be Messiah, you know, then he, he was going to be a robber. But I think, yeah, I, look, I tend to agree that you know it was disappointing, but injury plagued that as well. So he, he would be number two on my list. That's but that's that for me is exactly why he is my most disappointing player because we've seen exactly what he's capable of. And also yeah. he was going to deliver that in the finals and unfortunately it didn't pan out. So. Yep. All right, so we're going to move on to the highlights, finishing on a positive note as always. Adam, best game. Oh, jeez. Uh, are you going off guard there? Um, it's on the run sheet. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't read that far in the run sheet. <laughs> oh, look, yeah. 
I thought the, the win over Adelaide, I think, early on at home, I thought that was a real statement. Um, Thomas Christensen scored a couple of goals, Thomas Browich and Jay McLaren. That, I think that, that we were sort of wondering at that point, thinking, oh, Jesus, Raw team is not really firing. And that was probably the one of the few statement games they made. So that, that for me, was the eye. You can have the obvious one. I'll take Shanghai away in the Champions League. That was I really enjoyed that. That's the best performance we've put on in the Champions League. And also... Cashmere at home was pretty good too, but I'll stick with Shanghai. All right. Oh, so include, oh we could all games. I was, the season. I was oh, just okay. going to go for... Um, I was actually going to go... Trying to keep it to the regular season. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that uh, round 27 comeback against Wellington where they all possibly that massive... I can't decide which Sunday game I want to go for, <laughs> actually. The big win over the Mariners... Probably that, that was, one. That was, like, that was actually, fun. That, that one, was fun. Do you want a regular season game? Then I'll go to Melbourne City at home. That works that too. That was a good game as well. All right, we'll keep it going because I think Scott's uh, lift is almost yeah. here. <laughs> All right, uh, best goal of the season, Dimi Petrados' free kick. You can, uh, you can take that one. I'll take D'Agostino against Mariners. Of course I'll you I'll take would. that game. Brett, Brett Holman's Howitzer and... Uh, Who's that? Yeah. Wellington, season yeah. finale? Yeah. Which one? He had two. No, the first one. The one. <laughs> the, the, it's the first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, and finally, the player of the season. The uh, Brisbane Football Review player of the season. Dun, 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 Scott. Oh, I'm going with Broich. He's still absolutely half for me, the chances he created. All right, and just to completely mess it up, I'm going to say Corey Brown. Just well, that, cons- would be my, that would be most Ooh. improved. Well, I would say yeah. just purely from yeah. his starting point going back to that first show mm-hmm. in October mm-hmm. and to where Corey Brown is now. He's look, most improved by far. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that, for me, is exactly why I would say Corey Brown. So we need to work out a way to come up with this tiebreaker because yeah. I think we need to actually... Well, I think I think it's uh, worthy of another show later on. I think. Yeah, yeah we'll get, we'll do the official one announcement. Quick later. One moment of the year, best moment of the season. I forgot about this one. Because <laughs> I've got one. I'm just. What's I, yours? Mine is the twenty third minute against the Wanderers in the semi final. Yeah. The, no, the whole farewell and the celebration of Broich, I really enjoyed that. That's just my moment in the season. I quite enjoyed that. I'll save that for a future show. <laughs> think back. There were there were some there were some good moments. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But yeah. All right, and we're going to finish off grand final prediction. So, uh, winner and Joe Marston medal. The winner will be anyone who stays away because I'm a Sydney or Melbourne fan. <laughs> but, um, no, I think Sydney FC will win. They will win by two goals to nil, and Ninkovic will win that medal. Uh, I reckon it will be 3-1 to Sydney, and I actually reckon it will be Alex Brosk will somehow win it. Okay, and I'm going to say Sydney are going to win 4-1 and that Josh Brillante is going to win the Joe Marston medal, making it the fifth time in out of the last six a defensive midfielder has won it. going to win it. Yeah, exactly. All right, so congratulations to Melbourne Victory on what is now securing your A-League championship. <laughs> yeah, you did listen to our predictions earlier, right? <laughs> All right, so that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back next Tuesday with an Asian yep. Champions League qualif- uh, dead rubber on Wednesday night that we've got to talk about. How fun. Yeah, we'll mm, find we're something. We're going to disrespect the competition again. Yeah. yeah, don't worry. We'll find something actually interesting <laughs> to talk about as well in the show, I promise. That game for our final might get a mention. Yes, we'll go through our Orange Sunday 3 memories next week as well because oh, we're yeah. out of time. Yes, yeah, as they both just look at the clock. I'm hungry, guys, so get the hell out of my house. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week on the Brisbane Football Review.
Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.